This is Joshua Bell with the Kilt on the Cloth. This was my sermon from September 12, 2021, entitled Wisdom Calls Out. I hope you enjoy, and God bless. Sorry, I have to pull up one thing in order for this to work the way I want it to. My scripture this morning is taken from Proverbs 1, chapter 20, I'm um, chapter 1, verses 20 through 33. If you'd like to follow along as I read aloud, it is found in your uh, Hebrew Bible section of your Pew Bible on page 559. Here now these words of the writer. Wisdom. Cries out in the street, in the squares, she raises her voice. At the busiest corner, she cries out at the entrance of the city gate. She speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will you scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Give heed to my reproof. For I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you have refused. I have stretched out my hand and no one heeded. And because you have ignored all my counsel. And would have none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when panic strikes you. When panic strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind. When distress and, distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me. But I will not answer. They will seek me diligently. But will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and be sated with their own devices. For waywardness kills the simple and the complacency of fools destroys them. But those who listen to me will be secure and will live at ease without dread of disaster. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. Lady Wisdom calls out to us in our first lesson. Notice where such wisdom sounds from, from the streets, the squares, the busiest corner, at the entrance to the city gates. Notice, too, the edge that her words have. How long will you love being simple? Delight in cynicism. Hate knowledge. But she also includes an invitation to her hearers. Give heed, I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make my words known. And then the next paragraph. And the rest of the chapter describes ladies' wisdom 
the temperament when dunderheads, unwise and simpletons, refuse her gifts. And then on Sunday, our mission is to focus on the value and the possibility of living the life that is wise through God's wisdom so that the rest of the chapter, well, frankly, will not be written about us. It's kind of fascinating. I, I did a little bit too much of a, a word study this last week, and, and, I, and, I, and I just have to share it with you a little bit. So the very first part, and I, why I'm saying lady wisdom, well, in this specific place, in Hebrew, the word is hachmot, which is wisdom. But the interesting thing for it, as a, as a guy that likes to study words, is that you find out that it's a feminine singular noun. No, yeah, no, yeah feminine plural noun. Now, why does that matter? Well, wisdom is being referred to in, in, in a feminine style. Now, I'm going to come back to that idea. Just keep that in mind. When it's translated in by the Septuagint, it's the word Sophia, which is often used to describe God in a feminine way. Now, I, I don't want to belittle this, but a lot of scholars in the 20th and the 21st century put a lot of emphasis on the idea that in the Greek, there's a feminine and a masculine and kind of this omnipotent form of God. And in Hebrew, uh, just kind of the function matters. So there are times in the New Testament that you'll see the word Sophia, and they're talking about God in a certain way, specifically thinking about the wisdom presented here in Proverbs. Now, if I was going to make a joke, which I'm going to, some would say that maybe the rabbis thought it would be good to say, to make sure that they say, well, who is the wisest amongst us? And of course you're going to say, well, the women. I mean, you, you don't want to get hit. It's a smart plan. Now, this, this lesson, however, all jokes aside, is it contains a series of instructions. Alice McKenzie, a female theologian, writes that while proclaimers avoid biblical proverbs, the rest of us, however, walk and drive by them on billboards and t-shirts and coffee mugs and cartoons and magazine ads and bumper stickers and posters. She would argue that proverbs as preaching, uh, for, for proverbs as preaching fodder, reminding us that contemporary cultural proverbs show us the shape we are currently living in and the shape of things to come. Now, while biblical proverbs are capable of shaping the identity of the people of God. So the one I want to focus in on right now off the bat is this idea of the fear of the Lord. You see, words matter to the writer of Proverbs and to the way that we look at things. And, and since March 2020, all of a sudden, the words changed and made difference. <clears throat> because unlike most of the world, everybody gets to become an expert as soon as they're able to log in on the internet. And then when you become an expert, all of a sudden your words matter. Everything that you say becomes, makes you an expert in that field. Well, it's self-proclaimed, mind you, but you, you become an expert the same. Now the problem with this is, is that in March 2020, all of a sudden, the idea of the fear of the Lord was thrown out and cast about as if we were not allowed to be afraid of what was happening in the world because, well, if we were afraid of what was happening in the world, then we didn't have a good relationship with God. 
Hmm. Well, that's a lie. Humans are, have the ability to be afraid. But the fear of the Lord that they're talking about here is not that type of fear. Do you remember when you were growing up that you could get in trouble by your parents, right? Like you could say, I'm gonna, if I do this, I know there's consequences and repercussions for my actions. You remember this language, right? And then at some point, the worst thing that your parents could say to you would be something to the phrase of, I'm really disappointed in you. And that got worse than anything else that happened before that. You see, the fear that they're talking about here is disappointing God. You know that edge that you live on trying to please adults or people that matter to you and in such a way that you don't want them to feel as disappointed in you? This is more that type of fear. In verse 7, it says it's the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. The, the phrase describes a person's overall attitude or character. Sometimes to fear the Lord, in chapter 8, verse 13, it, says, it means to hate evil. Maybe in chapter 15, verse 33, you'd hear, at other times it leads to an instructive attitude. Or in chapter 2, verse 5, it leads to the knowledge of God. Same word, by the way, hachmot, in most of those cases. Or to humility in chapter 15, verses 33, and verses chapter 22, verse 4. Or to loyalty and faithfulness. You see the, the word play that I'm doing here? In chapter 16, verse 6, and the fear of the king. Now, this is a different fear, you see. In the early aspects of the Hebrew Bible, there's a fear of those that are in over you, that are rule over you. And this idea that God is king is so important to them because God could literally wipe them from the face of the earth. And as you continue to read how the culture goes through Midrashic texts like the Talmud or Mishnah or the Mishneh, all of a sudden you start to see a different type of fear of those that are in charge because they're human. And God being the supreme being or creator becomes more of the language. In the end, the possession of the fear of the Lord results in like it says, in results in riches and honor. So how does one find the way of wisdom? <coughs> the instructions which form the first section, verses 1 through 9, take the same form, a call to take heart to the teaching given. It mentions the motive for heeding the instruction. It gives counsel to choose wisdom and to avoid folly and a prediction of the consequences that will follow one's choice. Hmm. What's hard is, is that it's difficult to proclaim the fact that these are contextual to us 
more like they could be true or false based on any given context. The writer here is wanting you to know that your words matter. That the way that you deal with life matters. That you should fear the Lord. And this is important, you see. You think about it. When we were growing up, we heard the phrases like, sticks and stones may, may hurt me, but what, what is it? sticks and stones may break a bone, but... I mean, isn't that a huge lie? I mean, people's words can cut you deeper than any broken bone or lost appendage. Mine did that too in the first service. It's amazing to me how this goes. It's just, it's crazy that all of a sudden we, we, we forget that our words have meaning. The writer here did not just choose the word hachmot for you to go, oh yeah, lady wisdom. <laughs> no, no, he's really wanting you to understand that wisdom comes in so many different forms and that we have to do better with the way that we use our words and not, and not choose anger and not hate knowledge. Think about it. Today is September 12th. Do you remember what it was like 20 years ago? When the world wept? When all the world wept? And for just a moment, there was not speaking. We didn't have words for what took place. And then what happened after that, for once, for once, I just, I, I hate using this as an example, but it's too hard not to. At once, just for one moment, the world had an opportunity to look beyond everything, all demographics, all aspects of life. For just a brief second, you saw the world unite. And then we reacted. But do you remember... That moment when we were watching the televisions, we couldn't pull ourselves away from it. And we had no words. And then all of a sudden, it's just like the world became flooded with information. I would argue that after 9-11, the thing that happened is, is the world changed from that point on. And that's why we're so messed up now, because everybody all of a sudden started to throw stuff out on the news at that point. Do you remember? Do you remember how fast it went? And regardless of the retaliation or the things that we know we did, it didn't matter because it was happening so fast we couldn't keep up with it. And from that point on, we have been trying to catch ourselves to take a breath. And you can hear the proverb writer saying, how long will you love being simple? How long will you delight in cynicism? How long will you hate knowledge? It's, it makes perfect sense why we can't hear what's going on in the world. It's so loud with sometimes too many words.
The part that struggles with Christianity is, is the fact that you know better. We know better. We know the words. We know the actions. You're like, yeah, Josh. No, no, Jesus says it very simply. He says, I, I go to prepare a place for you with many rooms. I use this at every celebration of life service for a reason. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will go there and I will bring you with me. And you know the way to get there. And then Thomas, who is really us, says, I don't know. He goes, you can just, you can hear Jesus go, what do you mean you don't know? How can you not know? My words have brought people back from the dead. My words have healed people. My words have changed. You have those words. And Thomas, who's sitting there listening to Jesus, says, I don't know. He goes, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one gets to the Father except through me. Those are the words. Jesus' words. Now, it's super easy to say that, right? Because we all know the adage, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words, well, they cut so deep, it, there is no way that you can stop it. I think the part that I left off in the 815 services is that once you throw it out there, you can't get it back. You know, that's the worst part about it. Once you've said it, it's too late. It's, too o it's over. Now, we can ask for forgiveness all day long, but when humans, well, we, we hold grudges. And we throw that back at each other, right? So once we've thrown it, we throw it back at each other, and it goes back and forth until eventually there's no one that can find any reconciliation. But that is not what the writer here in Proverbs is trying to make you understand. Because in those moments, you couldn't hear the word of God. Because you're speaking louder than you can hear God's voice. This is hard. But wisdom is calling you out. Wisdom is giving you the ability to say that I have the voice of God. I hear the words of Jesus and I can do better. Last week we were talking about feeding the hungry and I said it's not just about food people. It's about how we feed people. Now it's about how we speak to them. Right? And I'm not talking about online, but that would be a good start. That's kind of impossible, though, right? Have you figured out that that world is, is like an alternate reality? When you see them at Homeland, do you, do you see them and, and then throw them a meme at your face? That's a picture, by the way, that's got words on it, for those of you that don't know. Can you do that with your face? No, no, it's kind of impossible. But your words matter. You have the ability, the wisdom of God, and you know the words to say. You know the actions that we need to do. So our challenge is, here on September 12th, to remember that day of silence. 
when for once the whole world had the ability to hear God's voice. And then, hopefully we make better choices from here on out. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.